the British TV podcast with Chrissy and Ryan. News, reviews, what's on TV this week, DVD releases, and special features all about British TV. Welcome to the British TV podcast, show number three. I'm Ryan in Seattle. And I'm Chrissy in Seattle. And thanks to Kevin Hay for the theme song that begins and ends every show. This week's episode will have news, what's on British TV this week, both in Britain and running in the United States, DVD releases, listener feedback, and a feature on actor Lee Ingleby. So last week we were talking about Leslie Sharp, and one of the series that she starred in was called Afterlife, and I said I hadn't seen it, which was true, but I did have some episodes, and I pulled one out, and I watched one, and in fact it was the one that had Mark Benton in it that you told me about, yep. about the old lady who committed suicide, and then he was haunted by this and all that. It was very interesting. I was surprised to see Andrew Lincoln in the show. I've been a big fan of his. He was in... This Life, which was the lawyer drama that BBC America has shown. He was in Teachers, a rather subversive Channel 4 series that I like quite a bit. He, has, uh, he was one of the people in Love Actually, the movie. He was the one who stood out the woman's door with the signs and oh. he had the signs flopping by. I think it was actually in the trailer. So, yeah, Afterlife. I would have to describe it in two words, and that would be uh, Noisy Ghosts. Watch the first episode sometime. That sets it up really nicely because you see her doing sort of a reading. Is there someone in the audience with association with a heavy smell of lavender? And, and she hooks up with this um, academic who thinks that she's leading herself on mentally. It's Andrew Lincoln's character, right? Oh, yeah. And, and his son has died and he's right. getting divorced. I was able to pick all this up from the third episode. I mean, I love British TV shows where you can jump in the middle of the show and it's so well written that you can figure out what's going on. Yeah, I loved every episode of the first series and the second one I have not been able to get into. It just got so grim with such a discordant soundtrack blaring away all the time. I, the soundtrack was something that's definitely jumped out at me. Uh, like a yeah, very noisy ghost. Relied a lot on musical stings and loud things to kind of make it work. I always kind of wonder about that. And we didn't know who created it last week, but it was Stephen Volk. And I looked him up and he had some miscellaneous credits, but nothing that really leapt out at me. But that is who uh, created Afterlife, which had Leslie Sharp in it. Also, we talked about Upstairs Downstairs last week because they're going to be making a new version next year. And it's going to be set in the 1930s. And I'd ask Christy, when was the original one set? And I looked it up and it apparently was, uh, took, it was based on stories that took place between 1904 and the 1930s. You mentioned last week that there was going to be a 10th season of Red Dwarf. And I looked this up and yes and no. Robert Llewellyn told an audience at a convention that it was coming and that uh, writer Doug Naylor had been commissioned to produce scripts for a new series for the digital channel Dave, which ran Red Dwarf Back to Earth earlier this year. Although he uh, later clarified, there's still a long way to go before it's all official. Somebody else had mentioned that it was going to happen as well. The head of the uh, To Entertain, which is the BBC's DVD arm, he had mentioned that uh, the show had been recommissioned as a series next year, but later he backtracked saying, there is no confirmed new series of Red Dwarf, just some talk of the possibility. Despite what Robert Llewellyn's been saying, I think it's a little early. I seem to recall many, many times where he would blog about the fact that they, we had a reading today for the new Red Dwarf movie. I think there were at least two or three of those things mm -hmm. in the last 10 years. Do you remember those? No. Yeah. I think he, he gets, a, he jumps the gun a little bit there. 
Um, well, he's excited. So not official that there's going to be a 10th season of Red Dwarf. Now, I, I have to point out the fact that, do you remember what they mentioned about season nine during Back to Earth? That that was the best year. The fans thought it was the best year. You know, there is no season nine. Uh-huh. So it, it's going to be this mythical season nine. They're going to go right from season eight, the specials, to season 10, I guess. Kind of an in-joke. And well, you caught it and I didn't. So okay. I... Actually, I heard someone else talking about that. And I, and I thought, oh, yeah, you're right. There is no season nine. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with Red Dwarf. We'll keep you posted. The notoriously inaccurate tabloid The Sun reported that Hollywood A-list actor Will Smith was interested in being East on EastEnders. And I have to say, based on the past record of The Sun, I can only say, I'll believe it when I see it. Or actually, to quote Victor Meldrew, I don't believe it! All right. That's from One Foot in the Grave, yes, if you've ever seen that show. Okay. Now for some real news. They're going to remake Shameless. Yep, saw that. It's a Channel 4 series, which I love. It's been running for six or seven years. This is what James McAvoy made his name on before he went on to become a big-time film star. And, and it, he met his wife there. Oh, who's he married to? Anne-Marie Duff, who played his girlfriend on Shameless. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. I did not know I that. I watched the scene where he proposes to her, and I was wondering if that happened before or after the actual proposal that one of them might have made to the other, so... See, I don't know all this behind-the-scenes stuff. The star of the show is David Threlfall playing uh, the patriarch of the family. And William H. Macy apparently is signed to do that part. But will he wear a wig? That is the question. William H. Macy can disappear into parts. He's, he's yeah. a character actor. I think he's a character actor who sometimes gets cast as a, a, uh, a lead. Uh, ER's John Wells is producing. John Wells also produced one of my favorite shows in the 80s, China Beach. Showtime is who's commissioned this as a pilot. So the fact that it's not going to be on commercial TV bodes sort of well. But this kind of goes into our whole idea of why remake shows in the first place. Shameless is really great because it is so subversive and glorifies this sort of working class beating the system quasi-criminal lifestyle that everybody on that estate has. And it just keeps topping itself in terms of what they're getting away with. I mean, I think murder by the end of season two. Accidental murder, but still. Yeah, and I I can't think of a similar type of people in this country that you could do that and kind of make them into the heroes. People want to see winners on American TV and... It'll be interesting to see. So I'm a big fan of Shameless, the British version. I say BBC America has shown it. And we'll see how Showtime does with the remake. Uh, of course, they did the remake of... Queer as Folk. Queer as Folk. And then the L Word, which is kind of spun off from that. I saw that uh, Alan Davies uh, told an audience at uh, Cheltenham Literature Festival that the uh, BBC is a bit slow in commissioning QI and that they'd put back showing the next season in November rather than when it normally airs. But a BBC spokesman has said, no, no, we love QI. Uh, it'll be back on our screens in November on BBC One, and the series will be recommissioned, but the deal is yet to be done. Well, they extra-larged it. That seems to be a growing trend now for the BBC if they repeat episodes of Graham Norton or Have I Got News For You, and now they have QI Extra Large, which is about 10 minutes longer. Oh, I had not seen the, a couple days. the supersized yep. uh, QI. QI is a great, great 
show hosted by Stephen Fry. It's a celebrity quiz show, and it's just about trivia. And it penalizes you if you say the obvious and wrong answer. And there's so many general knowledge questions that you think, oh, that's what the answer is, and you would be wrong. Uh, it's a great uh, show to watch and then ask your friends these obvious questions and and then say, aha, no, the real answer is this. And apparently it has been decided that this show is too intelligent for American audiences. People have begged BBC America to get this program and they say, no, we just don't think Americans can will get it. It's just too intellectual. So I encourage you, however you can, to get your hands on the series QI. It's excellent, and you will be greatly entertained. And it's going to keep running on the BBC, despite what Alan Davies thinks. Apparently, they have cut his uh, Jonathan Creek salary by 25% and delayed the transmission of the next special from Christmas to Easter. Because we were talking about when they were going to show it again, so I guess uh, that'll be uh, at Easter. Probably about the time the next Doctor Who series starts. Uh, two weeks ago, we noted that uh, Paul O'Grady's Channel 4 chat show was likely to end at the end of the year because of funding cutbacks and not being able to, to secure another broadcaster. But last week, it was announced he is in advanced negotiations with ITV about returning to host a peak time chat show almost four years after jumping ship to Channel 4 and claiming he would never work for ITV again. So I guess it just goes to show, don't burn your bridges. Well, I guess he didn't. He, he's There's something lovable about him, even though he's... Um, curmudgeoned. I, I like him a lot. I had not heard about his stint with ITV. Do you know about that? No. I didn't know he even had a hat chat show on ITV. I I wasn't aware of that. Apparently the talk was whether or not he would be put up against Jonathan Ross as competition, but I think the deal is for him to have him on a different time slot. This week on British TV, Monday's David Attenborough's documentary series Life is continuing on BBC One, as is the Graham Norton chat show. Do you know who was on this week? Nope. I didn't look it up either. Murderland with Robbie Coltrane began this week. It runs for three weeks. It's a crime drama, and the first episode got six million viewers. So good kickoff for ITV there on Monday nights. Darren Brown, Trick of the Mind Series 2, is being repeated Tuesday nights on Channel 4. Uh, Thursday afternoons at 4.35 on BBC One continues the third season of The Sarah Jane Adventures with Elizabeth Sladen. And the two-part story, The Mad Woman in the Attic, is on Thursday and finishes at the same time on Friday afternoon. Set your videos. Never mind the Buzzcocks, new season is Thursday nights on BBC Two. Also on Thursdays is New Tricks, a repeat of the popular crime drama, which is also available on some PBS stations. Celebrity Current Affairs Quiz Show, Have I Got News For You, has on BBC One has guest host this week David Mitchell and guest panelist Grayson Perry and Ed Byrne. And that's on Friday night on BBC One, followed immediately afterwards with the sketch comedy series Armstrong and Miller. But what will Grayson be wearing? That's what we want to know. Is he notorious for... He is notorious. He is a transvestite, so it's never known whether he's going to show up as a little girl or in... Um, a nice suit his wife's picked out for him. And he's a Turner Prize winner, and he works mainly in ceramics. And oh. his stuff's pretty stunning if you're able to track it down online. Usually they have a politician and a comedian, and I notice they actually have two non-politicians this week. But David Mitchell will be a apt and capable host. He's a very smart 
funny fellow. Uh, you can also see him later on Friday night on Peep Show with Robert Webb. Ben and Dorm's also on Friday nights on ITV. And Jonathan Ross is going to have Boy George as his guest on his BBC One chat show at 10.35 on BBC One. Apparently his first time since he got out of prison. Boy George, that is, not Jonathan Ross. No, oh, and Boy George and Grayson Perry, who I just mentioned, they were roommates back in the early 80s. They all used to go clubbing together trying to outdress one another. Trying to outdress Boy George. That's, yep. uh, that's a good trick. Uh, the repeats of I- the IT crowd are on After Peep Show on Channel 4. These have come with Chris O'Dowd, Catherine Parkinson, and Richard Iowade. And Saturdays, Merlin continues on BBC One. That stars Richard Wilson and Anthony Stewart Head. Yes, the first season was shown on NBC, which is probably one of the first British TV shows to be networked in America for about 20 years. And did fairly well on Sunday nights on NBC, uh, if anything can do well on NBC. And the second season is now running on BBC One, early on Saturday afternoons, or early, early Saturday evenings, I would say. Uh, Harry Hills TV Burp continues um, Saturday nights on ITV One. But the highlight on Saturday is the return of The Thick of It on BBC Two at 10.10 p.m. Armando Iannucci produces the series, which stars Peter Capaldi and has Rebecca Front. Thumbs up from Chrissy there. You may have seen in the cinemas this summer a movie called In the Loop, which basically was a cinematic version of The Thick of It set in the United States, uh, featuring the cast and uh, Americans like James Gandolfini. Did you know that? Um, no, I've I've got it on a Netflix list, but I because I love Armando Iannucci and any of his things, but I hadn't really researched into the movie that much. It was the opening night of the Seattle International Film Festival, and Armando Iannucci was here, and I would have loved oh, to have gone. And I think I was out of town, or there was some reason why I couldn't go. I wish I had. But the thick of it is a political satire, and Peter Capaldi plays this uh, government uh, PR guy who completely comes unglued and uses more four-letter words than you can possibly imagine, hence the late screening. And then requisition 31. and Yeah, it's, it's quite hilarious. And apparently this is about a cabinet reshuffle that's going on. And um, all of these, you know, guys in the uh, government just go crazy, everything happening, and trying to second-guess what's going on. And it's quite, quite good. So that is the thick of it, Saturday night. And Doc Martin with Martin Clunes is Sunday night on ITV1. And you can catch older episodes on your local PBS station, probably. It's playing here in Seattle, so check your local listings. And BBC counters with its uh, adaptation of Jane Austen's Emma, which is going to be run on PBS in 2010 on Masterpiece Classics. It's four parts over there, so it's finishing up this week. Very likely they will show it as two two two-hour episodes here. That's what they tend to do. They make these kind of omnibus versions of... uh, the shows when they run them over here. And you can round out your evening on Sunday night with the South Bank show on ITV one where Melvin Brake will interview Nick Hornby. Oh, I've seen him do readings in Seattle. He is very entertaining and very interesting. I highly recommend watching that if you're at home. Yes. During the South Bank show. BBC America this week. Uh, they've got top gear and Friday night with Jonathan Ross on Friday nights. Uh, Saturday continues the third season of Robin Hood and the Graham Norton show. 
And this week through Friday the 23rd on the Independent Film Channel is Monty Python, Almost the Truth, The Lawyer's Cut, the six-part documentary series that began on Sunday. It comes out on DVD very soon. Speaking of DVD releases, this week we've got two re-releases. The first is a newly remastered box set of Faulty Towers, although the series itself has been available for some time. Uh, Entertainment Weekly had a sidebar interview with John Cleese, and he disclosed his four reasons for buying the set. One, new commentary tracks by Cleese himself. Two, a documentary about Torquay. Torquay? 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 A documentary about Torquay, Torquay, where the series was set. Uh, three, helped Cleese with his alimony payments on his recent divorce. And four, it'll annoy the rest of Monty Python. That's a quote from John Cleese. This is the first time that uh, Faulty Towers has had commentary tracks by John Cleese, so that certainly makes it worthwhile if you haven't already bought it. Well, there's there's been a number of documentaries for Britain's best sitcom, et cetera, et cetera. It seems like they've done zillions of them, as well as for Faulty Towers night earlier this year. Do you, are any of those on the DVD, do we know? or I didn't see them listed. Faulty Towers frequently ends up as the number one best sitcom ever in Britain. Would you put it there? I used to laugh at it quite a bit in the 70s. I thought it was pretty funny, and I, I thought everything Cleese did was great. I Yeah, I wouldn't say it's the best. I wouldn't actually put Father Ted ahead of Faulty Towers. Maybe not. I wouldn't make Father, T- Father Ted number one. But I'm I'm a Spaced fan. I never get tired of that. I just adore it. So. Oh, yeah. Spaced is great. That's the Simon Pegg series, of course. Another box set, the Black Adder Remastered. The Ultimate Edition is out, and boy, does it contain a lot of stuff. First off, a remastered versions of all four series, the Black Adder, Black Adder 2, Black Adder the Third, and Black Adder Goes Forth. A new documentary by Rowan Atkinson and John Lloyd, Stephen Fry, Ben Elton, and Richard Curtis, Tony Robinson, and Tim McHenry. Black Adder Rides Again, a special 60-minute documentary to mark the 25th anniversary. I think I've seen that one that has uh, Rowan Atkinson uh, going around to the locations where mm-hmm. they filmed... And talking about... Uh, yeah, things. and he hadn't ever really done an interview or anything like that about the show, so that was a big deal. Yeah, I was surprised to see him doing that. Exclusive extended interviews with uh, Hugh Laurie, Rowan Atkinson, Richard Curtis, and Ben Elton. Costumes revisited with Miranda Richardson, Patsy Byrne, Tony Robinson, and Tim McHenry. Plus, includes Blackadder's Christmas Carol, Blackadder the Cavalier Years, Blackadder Back and Forth, Baldrick's Video Diary, and more. The Cavalier Years was done for Comic Relief one year, so it was just a little 10-minute cutaway that uh, had Warren Clark in it. Uh, you can also buy each season individually or the specials as separate $20 releases. So that's what's on DVD this week in the United States. Next week, Monty Python, Almost the Truth, The Lawyer's Cut. Listener feedback. Janet from Massachusetts wrote and says, Good luck with this. I think she means our show. (laughs) I want to know when the next American format DVDs of MI5 are coming out. I've watched five years of it, and the last one ended with a cliffhanger. Well, MI5 is the American title for BBC Spooks, and Volume 6 is now available from the BBC America store. And I suspect the other seasons will get released after BBC America runs them first. They're about three years behind right now. So I would suggest you write to BBC America and says, get showing the rest of those episodes. But their deal probably with the video company is that they will release them after they show them. So BBC America is who to blame or praise here. Yep. We'll get a multi-format DVD player. Yes. All of the seasons have been released in Britain 
uh, Region 2, which you could get from Amazon.co.uk if you have a region-free DVD player. So if you have listener feedback, please write us at feedback at BritishTVPodcast.com. Our feature this week is going to be on actor Lee Ingleby. Stop! Where are you going? My class. Which is? Learning Support 3. God help us. Right name? David Witten. Yeah, I'm just going through all my favorite actors and actresses here, but Lee is really interesting. I swear he's one of the hardest working men in British showbiz. He never seems to be without a job. He's currently doing a play with the National Theatre. Um, he's worked with them before. He he actually took over for David Tennant and the original cast of The Pillow Man when David Tennant left that about five or six years ago. And he's also appeared one-off in shows like Hustle on Life on Mars. He played Vic Tyler. That was Sam Tyler's dad. Sam Tyler's dad. That was a, a pivotal part. That was the, the last episode of the first season. Mm-hmm. On Your Head, My Son, playing soccer, just so friendly. And then, of course, The Tables Turned, and Spaced. He showed up in the second series there playing a thug. I think it was during that, that slow-motion mm-hmm. fight scene yep, that they had He had the slow-motion fight, taking oh. the... Yep, and um, he hasn't shown up on Doctor Who yet, though he's done some of the audio adventures I've read. Oh, has he? Yeah, looking at his IMDb listing, which we will have a link to in the show notes, he has been in a lot of stuff I've seen, and I never connect the dots and saying, oh, that's the guy that was also in this thing. Yeah, he looks a little like Joe Cornish, a little bit like Billy Boyd, but well, after you've seen him then he's just sort of himself but yeah he has a he has a good face he can play a lot of ages too jonathan creek he was in that pretty early in his career yeah i just i i i have seen him in a lot and i just did not know it was the same guy yeah all the way back to killer net this was a linda lapant series Uh, she of course created prime suspect and it was a four-part itv thriller from 1998 and this is back when the internet was starting off, and so it was sort of the ever-trendy boogeyman that day, and in those days, and it was about a psychology student who meets a wild girl online and eventually leads him to KillerNet, a CD-ROM game, boy, that dates it, uh, where you pretend to be a serial killer, and Lee was uh, one of the friends, college friends, that was part of this whole uh, thing that was going on. So that was one of his very, very earliest parts. Yeah, I've been halfway through Nature Boy now, which he did in the year 2000 and was a real large role for him fairly early in the career. And he was playing a 16-year-old, even though he was 23 at the time. He's cute. He's bored. Pulls his feathers out. That right? Shouldn't keep birds like this. Well, that's none of our business, is it? It is if you have to look after them. This little owl, it needs mouse or rabbit. Some wee bit of fur and bones in it, not just dog food. What's up, David? Penny says you've been staying out at night again. 
And you've been hanging around your mother's place. This is supposed to be a fresh start here, isn't it? He's a bastard. You can't expect people to be perfect. We've talked about this. There's a girl starting today. You go and say hello. I'm going to be late for school. See ya. Again, he's got a face that can go either direction, so he's got a huge age range that he can play back then and even now at 33. Yeah, my review of Nature Boy uh, way back then was uh, a young man with an affinity for animals, which would be Lee Ingleby's character, <laughs> uh, crosses Britain looking for his long-lost father, who's played by Paul McGann, and along the way encountered a lot different group of people in each episode that use his help in this engaging BBC miniseries. Um, in one story, for example, he uh, stayed with a family that was involved with a corporate cover-up of contamination, and in another, a group of tree lovers trying to save a forest from road builders. Um, McGann wasn't really in the series that much. He was just in flashbacks or speaking to his son in fantasy sequence, but it certainly was a starring vehicle for Lee Ingleby. He carried that whole series. He did, and it must have been physically very uncomfortable. He was swimming naked in ice-cold seas. He was bathing naked. He was naked a lot and covered in mud quite often and carrying animals around. And I read an interview at the time where he said that foxes smell really bad and he had to carry one in his knapsack for half the shoot. So it was just a physically demanding role. And um, the other thing that he said that was very hard for him filming it was standing still because he says he's a flapper and he likes to move around and talk with his hands and that was just opposite of what this character had to be. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, he's very good. That, so that was uh, 2000's Nature Boy. And he was in the third Harry Potter movie. He was. He played... Stan Sherpike. Stan Sherpike. He is the conductor on the night... Bus. Right, and he figures pretty largely in the last book, so who knows if I think if he's all off camera, up. though, isn't he? Well, he, he's... Because yeah. he's been arrested, he and arrested. Harry keeps bugging the Minister of Magic about releasing Stan Shunpike. I don't think right. he actually appears in the flesh. He, so. Well, he does, actually, because the Death Eaters put a charm on him, and he has to, in the book, has to... He's in part of the fight harry when they're chasing them at the beginning of the book it'll probably get cut though just well, considering you know that they're taking deathly hollows and turning it into two right. different movies so maybe they will keep all that stuff in there uh we can only hope uh well probably would be listening to mdb if he was actually going to be in uh that one but uh, he certainly was in harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban and uh, Master and Commander, he, yeah, he's done some film and uh, theater, but really he seems to be employed pretty much constantly on television. Yeah, he was in uh, The Street, which was a Jimmy McGovern's series. It was kind of this quasi-anthology series about these people who all lived on one street. The common thread was Timothy Spall as a cab driver. But one week you'd have like Jim Broadbent as one of the neighbors, and then you might see him two weeks later waving at a different character. The idea they're all there, but each week it had a different kind Love of guest stuff star. stuff like that. I've got to watch that now. Yeah, The Street was like that. Clocking Off was like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of shows that had that sort of format. And it's very, very clever because it's sort of a way of having your anthology and eating it too. Uh, so Lee Ingleby played Sean O'Neill. Yeah, one of the more recent things I've seen him in was Crooked House, which was a Mark Gatiss three-part little horror anthology based around one haunted house. And I looked it up. Darren Brown's in it. Yes. What, who's he, what does he do with Blink and, Blink and you miss him. He's He is a character seen in flashback when the house was originally built, um, holding sort of seances with the devil to try to, and uh, 
doing pretty much everything Darren Brown firmly does not believe in real life he's doing in this. And he had a spectacular um, prosthetic nose, too. So Darren Brown did. Yes. But Lee Engleby, um, he was a much older-seeming character than he had seemed in some of the other things I've seen. And um, they did a great version of Wind in the Willows. I'm spring cleaning. I'm sick of it. Uh, I, I, I hope you don't mind me asking, but is this, uh, is, is it a river? <laughs> of course it's a river. Yes. You ever seen one before? Oh, yes. Yes, no, yes. I've said no, no, no. Oh. Do you care to join me for a row? Just fetch my togs. Give me your hands. Oh. 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 It, it, uh, it, it, it helps if you sit down. seen you around these parts before, have I? No, no, I, I'm generally underground. I rarely go outdoors. When I do, I try to stick to within a few yards of a molehill. <laughs> I, I, I've never been in a boat before. Really? <laughs> what on earth do you do with your time? Believe me, my friend, there is nothing Absolutely nothing. Half so much worth doing is simply messing about in boats. He played Mole, which was really interesting because I was a big fan of the one done exactly ten years earlier with Steve Coogan as Mole. Is that but, the one that had Michael Palin in it? Right. The, the, the film that from 1997 right. was almost a Python movie. It had several of the Pythons in it. But, um, but we're referring to the 2006 version that had Matt Lucas, Mark Gatiss, and Bob Hoskins right. in it. And I think, that there, I think if you want to buy one, get both. Because I think the 2006 version was far geared towards younger children. It was a little comfier a little softer and then if you want to buy the movie they can watch that a couple of years later they're both very charming it is a children's story mm-hmm. but uh, yeah kenneth graham's wind in the willows and he was in a series called place of execution in 2008 co-starring uh, emma cunniff who was in the lakes with john sim and juliet stevenson have you seen that no i haven't seen that mm-hmm. well john sim and lee went to the same school but they were a few years apart so which kind of school like high school level, underclass school. Where do you find all these fine facts? Huh? Um, reading interviews here and there. <laughs> you must retain a lot more from interviews. I, I, I these, do. These pass through me, and I, I don't register with them, or I don't put a name to a face. So now that I've you know know who Lee will be is, every mm-hmm. time I see a movie now, I'll be like, oh, there's Lee. Okay, yeah, there's Lee. But they're 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 kind of all anonymous to me until I connect the dots with who that guy actually is. So uh, you're much better at that. I used to have a friend who we would go to the movie theaters and they would have trailers 
on and some character would flash on for half a second and she'd nudge me and go, he was in general hospital in 1974. And I'm like, how can you know that? It's impossible. <laughs> some people are really good at that. I am not. Well, what do you like about Lee Ingleby? Range. I like that he doesn't overplay characters, even if it's a character like Stan Sherpike. It was still really based in believability. It's fun watching. He does get cast against type quite often because he has a sort of angelic choir boy look. So he plays baddies pretty often. For example, like in Life on Mars, where right. you know Sam idolized his dad and all this stuff, and then it kind of finds out that his dad was not a very nice person. No. Stop. Sam, you understand. You know what the police are like. They need to solve cases. They'll do anything to... to, to Don't leave. I'm begging you. You can't protect me, Sam. Not even from your own DCI. I can. I can save you. But you have to stay together with your family the way it was supposed to be. I'll need to feel safe if I stay, Sam. Please, give me the gun. I'll stay if you give me the gun. Come on, sir. Come on. He's waking up. He's so close. Victor Tyler, you are under arrest for murder and for obtaining monies by the manufacture and distribution of material banned by the 1967 Obscene Publications Act. Fine. Fair cop. Slap on the cuffs. Are you going to tell my Ruth and little Sammy what I am? Or do you want him to read about it in the papers? Or find out that Daddy's a crook from the kids in the playground. You'll ruin their lives. And his episode that he guested on Hustle, I think in the second series, was my favorite. So if you're going to rent Hustle, everybody, be sure to get the episode with Lee in it. Apparently it's called The Lesson, and he played a character named Trevor Speed. He does. He's a, he's a character who's busy conning some guy in a bar, and he meets Danny Blue, played by Mark Warren, and sort of gets taken into the fold of the, of the five con artists we've grown to love. But all is not as it seems. I've probably seen that episode. I'm just not registering on the plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of bars, he was in a series called Early Doors, Right, he took over when James McAvoy went off. He was James McAvoy played a character's boyfriend the first series and then went off to be a movie star and Lee came on and played the boyfriend for the second series of the same character. I couldn't get into early doors. It yeah. was a lot like the Royal Family, which is Carolyn Ahern's series, 
where people kind of sit around and talk ordinary things and there's no plot and there's no laugh track. Well, they're both by Craig Cash as well. Yeah. And I just don't get it. And I've I've been called out several times for not appreciating the royal family. That's the way it is. Lee was, as I say, in Early Doors in the second season from 2004. Uh, yep. He's got to be one of the most employed actors working in Great Britain up there with my dear Mark Warren, who seems to have been in everything in 2006 and seven. although he's slowing down a little now. But Lee just keeps right on going, getting the roles. Well, there's always the, the it guys there. I mean, there was a, one year where Tony Slattery was in everything. Mm-hmm. And then there just seem to be people who just get really, really overexposed and stuff. Well, Lee's been in Lee's been it for a while, just in a quiet little, oh yeah, let's get Lee sort of way, I think. Well, he's the co-star in Inspector George Gently, mm-hmm. alongside... Martin Shaw. Martin Shaw. And it's a 1960s uh, police drama set in the countryside. John Backus? Yes, Mr. Genley, sir. Very impressive. I very popular with uh, ramblers and... Well, ramblers, I prefer city life, personally. I meant the MG. All right. Not standard issue up here, is it? No, 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 wedding present, that. Mum and Dad? My mum's dead. My dad got me one of those uh, pop-up toaster things. No, I bought the car for myself. You needed cheering up? George Gently is this very tough Met copper who's kind of left London in the 60s because of the corruption and everything like that and and settled in this uh, remote area. And Lee plays John Bacchus, who becomes sort of his protege. And George is trying to make sure becomes the right kind of copper and not seduced by the dark side of the force. It's a pun there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so that was Inspector George Gently. They showed an episode of it last week on BBC Repeat. That was certainly a good uh, featuring part for him. Now, George Gently, they seem to show that as specials rather than like a series, right? Just from time to time, there'll be a George Gently two-hour thing on it. That's... I don't know the schedule of George Gently of how often, because the way I see them, I, I wouldn't know if they were run consecutively mm. or they were spaced out far apart. Uh, I, I kind of like it. It's uh, The career of uh, Martin Shaw is very interesting because, of course, he started out in The Professionals and then he spent a long time trying to live that series down. He was in a very epic miniseries called Rhodes about the man who founded Rhodesia. Then he was Judge John Deeds. And he was this tough criminal court judge, you know, with a funny wig and all that. And then he would go out and solve crimes. or It was, it was weird. Like, Why would a judge be doing that? Now he's back playing a policeman again, but of course he's it's many years later. But he, Martin Shaw is a very solid actor. I, I like him quite a bit. Anything else we want to say about Lee Ingleby? No, you can look him up on the IMDb. If you see, have seen him in one thing, you've probably seen him in half a dozen if you're listening to this podcast. And keep watching. And, and he's definitely one of my favorites. Glad we could spotlight him. Well, next week we're going to have a little change of pace. You know, in, the, in this era where we're getting remakes of Shameless and The Prisoner, 
we're going to talk about the American remakes of British TV shows. And this is all the way from All the Family to The Office, to name two successes, and then the many, many, many failures. And you remember Coupling? Yeah, I, it was on for a few minutes, wasn't it? It was, and we'll talk about why it was successful, or why it failed, actually. What BBC America did to counter-program it, it was quite amusing, actually. The why do they do it, and how do they do it, and what's worked, and what hasn't. So American remakes of British TV shows will be next week on the British TV podcast. And you should go to our website, which is BritishTVPodcast.com, where we have show notes, what's on TV this week, uh, news items, we have links to those, lots of other information, and feedback at BritishTVPodcast.com is the website to write us. We'd love to hear from you if you're out there, and we'll be back next week with more news, reviews, and the feature on American remakes of British TV shows. Anything else to add? Nope. See you next week. Bye, folks. Mm-hmm.